to the Mastering College Podcast, a guide to landing your dream job. I'm your host, Daniel Botero, and my goal is to help you take away that fear of graduating without a job and instead teach you how to land your dream job. Welcome back to this episode of the podcast. Today, I have a very, very special guest with me today. I have the CEO of Crossman & Company, John Crossman himself. John, how are you today? Oh, great. Thanks for having me. John, I'm very excited to have you on the podcast. I read your book, Career Killers and Career Builders, and I'm going to be honest with you. I, I read it twice. The first time I read it, um, it seemed to me that it was a lot of common sense, and then I, re- I went back and I read it. And I was like, you know what? Common sense is not something that's common, common practice. Mm-hmm. And then I started thinking back and I was like, you know what? This actually is a really great book. Um, I took a lot of notes on it. So I'm really excited just to have this conversation, get students exposed to the concepts of what you wrote about and then in the hopes, because I really think this is a book that every student should be reading. Um, but before we go in there, for the students that might not know who you are, Tell them a little bit about yourself, what you do, and some of your involvements in the community. Sure, sure. So just as a real quick background, um, I'm the youngest of four kids. And um, so being the youngest of four, you're always sort of following somebody's shadow. So when I went to college, I, was, I went to FSU. I, all my other siblings went to Florida Southern. Uh, that was my first place where I was really on my own. And I think that for me, I came alive in college. And so that was a big, big deal to me. When I graduated from college, I was uh, 22 years old, and I looked like I was 16. And I um, was really, really aggressive, really wanted to be successful. And I had a really nice level of success when I was 24 years old. And so at that early age, um, I started getting asked by colleges, uh, starting with FSU and then others, to come back and and guest lecture. And that sort of started a whole path of me giving back to colleges, universities, and really trying to helping students develop uh, some skill sets so they could be successful. Excellent. So what decided you to, you know, start, write this book in the first place? So, um, as I mentioned, so I've been lecturing for a long time, and, and I used to do a lot of lecturing about real estate, which is my, my main area, and then I did a lot of lectures about shopping centers, history of shopping centers. I still do a lot of lectures about how retail shop centers will survive Amazon. You know, that's a big topic, obviously, so I do a lot of that. Um, but I was asked to guest lecture at the University of Florida one time, and when I was driving there, I really started thinking about what could I talk about that would be something that's not normally talked about. You know, students can get a lot of resources from a lot of people, but what could I do that's unique and what could they uh, really get help from? So as I started doing that uh, research on that topic and really thinking it through, one of the things that came to my mind is that uh, when you think about people being my age, I'm 47, you tend to stereotype that they're having a midlife crisis. You know, so you see somebody my age, they go out and buy a sports car. And by the way, that's totally cool. Don't judge mm-hmm. that. Um, but I think about what happens when you're more my age. You start thinking things like, man, I'm, um, I'm not going to live forever, and I've been out of college 25 years, and I'm probably not going to work in the 25 years. You're close to retirement than you were to college. And so sometimes guys like me do buy sports cars because they think, well, better now than never. Okay, so that happens. But that's not the age group that really concerns me the most. The age group I really kind of sort of focus on is the ages between 30 and 35, 31 and 34. That's the age group that really has become significant to me because that's the age group where I see really significant things happen, um, some good, some bad. So when I start thinking about college students, when I'm lecturing college students, and let's say the average one's 21, and they're at a great college like Valencia or UCF or many plate universities, we visualize 10 years later where are they going to be, and we tend to think they're going to be really successful, and some will be. Um, but also I've seen 10 years later in that 31, 34-year age group, 
they really, really have some big problems. So when I thought about that, then I sort of went back in time and said, okay, so what are the things students need to know now that are be the biggest problems they're going to face? And then what are the biggest tools they need to develop to avoid those problems? So that's when I wrote the speech, the top five ways to get fired, top five ways to keep from being fired, which is on YouTube. You can look it up on my Cross My Company YouTube channel. That speech became my most requested speech. People stopped asking me to talk about real estate. They stopped asking me to talk about shopping centers. They said they wanted to hear that speech. And the speech has like 4,500 views on, on YouTube, which is pretty good for yeah. an hour-long college lecture. It it's is. not. I saw it. I think that it was like a wooden background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So, so I gave this speech, and, and, and so I started giving a lot. And so it was really from that that I wrote the book because I really felt like I'd hit on a demographic or a dynamic or whatever you say it that was talking about things that people weren't really talking about. Even though they're common sense, they're not talking about them, but they're real consistent problems. And so I wrote the book to be a tool so that I can help provide more resources to more college students. I love it. And one of the things that I took away from the book a lot is the difference between a career and a job. Because you could have named the the book Job Killers and Job Builders. Right, right. So we'll let you dive into it because you did speak about it in, in the first chapter, the difference between a job and a career. Because as a college student, you're not going to college to get a job. You could have gotten a job right out of, co- out of high school. You're going there to build a career. Yeah, so th- this is a big deal, and I'm glad you brought this up. So, you know, let's just say, for example, you've got a job at Starbucks, and let's just say that your job, you have to get there at 10 a.m., and you get off at, at 6 p.m. Let's just say that. Well, when you get up, you're not thinking about Starbucks. You're not thinking about it at all. You're not really thinking about it until you get there, okay? And if you if, you're, if your work shift starts at 10, you're showing up at 10. And if it ends at 6, like 6 or 1 in your car. And later that night, when you're at the gym, you're not thinking, gosh, did I, did I get that order right? Like, you're not thinking about it. Right. You're only thinking about it when you're there working at Starbucks. That's a job. A career is this. When your eyes open, you're thinking about your career. You wake up in the morning, you're thinking about it. You're taking a shower, you're thinking about it. You know, it's Saturday night, and you decide to go to the gym, and you're taking a run on the treadmill, and you're thinking, man, I wonder what's going on with that deal. I wonder what's going on with this. Like, that's what a career is. And so, you know, I, I've often said this. When you have a career, you really shouldn't need an alarm clock, right? It doesn't matter right. because you're just, you're just working. And sometimes I see pretty young people out of college, they'll get a job. They'll tell you it's their career. But let's say that work starts at 830. They show up at 840. You don't have a career if you're showing up late. You have a job. I'm going to quote three things that you, you said, three important things uh, regarding a career. One, it makes you happy. Two, it should be highlight. It should be highlighting your strengths, and three, it should offer you an opportunity for success. That's right. Um, and so that really hit it home to me because just because you have a degree and you got a job in accounting, if that doesn't make you happy, and you know, if it doesn't highlight your strength, is it really a job or a career? Um, That's right. That's right. Another thing that I want to dive into is the five career killers because you started the book with the career killers, and then you talked about the career builders. Mm-hmm. So. What are the five career, uh, career killers, and maybe describe a little bit about each. Sure. So when I talk about each one of these, these are the things that are going to end your career. So it's not about being late, which is like a little issue, or dress more professionally. Those are little things that might impact your career. These are things that like end people's careers. And so the first one I talk about is uh, drugs and alcohol. And usually drugs and alcohol, uh, when you get underneath it, there's a, an addiction issue. There could be a mental health issue. Um, but I could tell you story after story after story of outstandingly talented people that uh, people that could change the world that we've lost as a community, both locally and, and nationally, internationally, uh, because they've dealt with a drug or alcohol problem. And a lot of times it starts very recreationally, um, but they um, it then spurs out of control, and then sometimes they don't know that they can get help. 
And so that's a big topic. And I wish it would go away, but it but it's not it's not going yeah. away. It's not going away. One thing that um again, common sense is not common practice, especially going into the holiday season. You talked about the holiday party and drinking yeah. a little bit too much. Yeah, so I, I have a quote that the Real Business Journal made the quote of the year one year, which was uh, your office uh, Christmas party is work, not a party. Don't get fired up for drinking too much eggnog. And so that's what I remind people. Like a lot of times when you're in college, you think party equals drunkenness. Well, when it's a work party and it equals drunkenness, it equals fired, right? Right. So the thing about it is, is if it's a work party, it's work, not a party. And that's the way to approach it. That is the way to approach yeah. it. My company had an event, like a, a bowling event, and I brought my two teenagers' daughters with me. And as we drove there, I told them, like, girls, you're not going to bowl. You're going to serve. Like, this is work. This is my work. And I'm the CEO. These people all help make my life easier. We're all going to go there as a family, and we're going to serve. Yeah. And I was just trying to teach them the concept. When you go to something like this, it's not about fun. It's about work. Absolutely. And so what would be uh, the second? Uh, the second one is talking about sex. And, um, and, again, some people would – actually, a guy one time said he thought I talked about it too much in, in the yeah. book. And the guy that said that, it was then right after the Me Too movement really yeah. ramped up. And um, it's a big issue, and it's a big issue of just poor choices. It's poor choices like, you know, look, just because you're attracted to someone doesn't mean you have sex with them. Just because you're attracted to them doesn't mean you have to date them. And you can put boundaries up. There's lots of great people on the planet to date. You don't need to date them at the office. Right. And it's, it can really complicate things. And then on top of that, you know, if you're dating somebody and you're a supervisor or they, they, they feel harassed, I mean, you might not even be thinking you're doing it. But... It's just really safe boundaries, and um, uh, I've seen it happen over and over and over again. Really talented people, smart, hardworking people, end up having an inappropriate relationship at work, and the whole thing ends. Yeah, no. And then number three, um, I thought it was very interesting as well, is greed. So Yeah, so uh, I know boss had a country expression that goes like this, um, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. And I always like to tell people I'm a devout capitalist. I believe in going out and making a lot of money. I, I want people to make a lot of money. It's just when you're trying to make money or make progressions at the cost of other people, that's what greed is. I want our landscapers and our accountants and our attorneys, everybody that does business with us to make a lot of money. Uh, greed is like I want to make more money and I want anyone else making money. That's what greed is. And that will end your career. Perfect. And then um, number four, temperament. Temperament. I got temperament from uh, uh, the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament, the Bible, which is just really talks about don't be associated with a hot, hot-headed man. And I've seen this happen in my career. I've seen really good people who get way hot too fast. And if you put that in a relationship, it's going to end. You put it in business, it's going to end. People are not going to want it. No matter how good you are, people that are aggressively angry too quick. And so temperament, uh, having a sense of peace and calmness about yourself, it's a big deal. And then pride. Uh, you know, I don't think there's anything bigger that ends marriages or ends businesses or ends career more than pride, which is um, it's the opposite of, des- of humility. It's the opposite of desiring coaching. Um, all great athletes all over the world have coaches. They seek people to look at them and to tell them how to get better. And so if you want a great business career, you need to, any career, you need to have the sense of like looking at yourself and challenge to get better. And pride, pride's the enemy of that. Yeah. No. So those were, those were, we just actually just went through the career killers. Um, so let's talk about the positive. You yeah. know, how do people build a strong career? Well, it's a, a lot of it's going to have to do with different kinds of skill sets, and they're really about relationships. So the first one I talk about is uh, mentors. And I want to make a kind of unique point about this, about mentors, and that is this. I always ask people, just with college students, forget my mentors were. Let me just ask you what the word charity means. So what does charity mean? I think charity is giving back when giving, I think about it. Yeah, giving back and expecting yeah. nothing in return, mm-hmm. right? So giving uh, charity is one-sided. It's typically temporary. It's typically during a crisis. So like the hurricane happened in Panama City and we're sending supplies up there. That's what that is. 
A relationship is not charity. A relationship is a healthy giving and receiving. It's a healthy yin and yang. The art of a great conversation is, look at me, how are you? How are you? Look at me. It's a healthy giving and receiving. Uh, you know, I was telling people, do you have any friends that never ask you about how you're doing? Well, they're not a good friend. So relationships are healthy going, going that way. So, so you need to think about relationships and charity two things. When you're seeking a mentor, are you desiring to have a mentor-charity relationship? Or are you just thinking to have a mentor relationship? And a lot of times students, because they've been in a position where they've been a, a kid and then they're growing up and they've received a lot, they don't quite understand that dynamic that's a give and take. Like when you have a parent, a parent typically gives and expects nothing back. But when you get into a career and you're seeking a mentor, don't seek somebody just to give to you and you're just a charity case. Seek to give back. People then say, well, how do they get back? Well, you get back with words of affirmation. You get back with time. You get back with service. But if you seek to have mentor relationships where they just give to you, you'll, I promise you, so you become a charity and it'll be short-lived. If you seek to have a mentor that you have a relationship with, it'll last the rest of your life. And you, you briefly mentioned it. And one of the biggest questions I get from students when I'm speaking to them and I do different workshops, even last week I had a panel at UCF, it's about how can a student be able to give back to a successful professional like yourself? And you talked about words of affirmation and time, but can you dive Sure. Sure. Well, I think one thing to do is you say, "How can I help?" Like, just say that. Just say that and shut up, right? Like, <laughs> like, like if, you're, if someone's helping you, look at them, say, "How can I help you?" And keep asking it. Um, it's funny because you know, every once in a while, students will say that to me, and I'll say, "Review my book." You know, I really appreciate reviews of my book. You know, review my book. It helps because like there's an algorithm to it. I think so. The first thing is just say, "How can I help?" And you, you never know what they might say. I think the second thing is I'd say is listen. You know, if you listen to people, sometimes they'll, something will come out. You'll learn that they're really passionate. Maybe you learn that they're, they're a veteran, and you can on Veterans Day, you can call them and thank them for that. You can learn that they volunteer somewhere. There's a charity. They're really big on Boys and Girls Club or something like that, and you can volunteer to volunteer that charity. Um, you realize that they really resent a death in the family, and you can send them a, a card and send them out. So I would say listen, 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 listen well, and uh, study them. You'll find ways to serve. That's perfect. That's awesome advice. And then so for what would would be number two? You talked about relationships, but then in your book, you talked about breaking relationships into different categories. Right. So one of the things I talk about is that, you know, when you meet somebody, you're an acquaintance. You just sort of know each other's names. That's sort of the first step. The second step in my mind relationship is friends. And what defines friendship is encouragement. Like the TV show Friends is about encouraging Mm -hmm. each other or friends on Facebook. And that's a good thing to have. What I really have to dive in harder is the importance of having brothers and sisters, having people that um, really, really will pour into you. And one of the defining factors of that is they'll tell you the truth, even when it's painful. And I'll tell you that a lot of times I say that to people and they'll say, oh, I want that, but they really don't. Yeah. you got to learn that when someone says something that's really hurtful, but it's true, to say thank you. Um, that was one of my favorite things about that chapter was that well, family will tell you things that it's not necessarily that you want to hear, but you should hear. Yeah. And then the second point that you talked about is that no one does it alone. Well, that's right. Oh, that's no one. You can't do it alone. We're not made that way. And that's the thing about family. It's funny. Like my daughters, when I ask their feedback, boy, kids will tell you the truth. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and it's sometimes it's painful, yeah. but it's really helpful. And then um, the career builder number three, professional counseling. Yeah. So let me say this, that if, if you were going to tell me that you wanted to play in the NFL, and I would say to you, hey, do you know that in the NFL there's a 100% chance you're going to get injured? That's true. You might just miss one play at one practice, but all players get injured at some point in the season. That's part of it. So what if I told you that you, you were said, oh, John, I got drafted by the Miami Dolphins. 
because every American should be a Dolphins fan for sure, right? <laughs> but if you told me that and then I said, um, did you know the Dolphins have no medical staff? Would you go play there? Absolutely not, right? Right. So here's the deal. There's a 100% chance that you, me, everyone that's listening to this is going to have some sort of tragedy, mm-hmm. uh, short-term or long-term. We're all going to lose a parent. We're going to lose somebody we love. Um, we're going to suffer some traumatic event, uh, health issues, all kinds of things. You know, to get through those tough times, we certainly need our family and we need, we need mentors. Occasionally, we're going to need um, some professional counseling. And that's a really healthy, masculine, mature thing to do. And I encourage people that, uh, and I have a lot of my own stories about this, but if there may be an issue or topic that comes up, and your friends may not have skill sets to help you through it, so you see some professionally to help you through that that season or time. I'll be honest. Um, that was one piece of advice that I never really considered, but it wasn't until you, how you explained it in the book that really maybe would okay with the idea of getting counseling when I get to that point. Because, it, like you said, it's going to happen eventually. Something's going to happen in my life that I, I will need outside counseling. Sure, now. sure. Yeah, it's normal. Number four is uh, talked about becoming coachable. Yeah, so again, that's where the opposite of pride is just really having a spirit of humility and desiring people to let people pour into your life. You know, uh, Coach K, the famous basketball coach from Duke, has a story where he talks about when he interviews recruits, he'll sometimes he'll say, you should say thank you more often. And then he sees how they respond. And sometimes the athlete, will, the recruit will say, well, thank you, Coach K. I will do that. I appreciate that. And sometimes they'll say, why the hell would I say that? You know. And then what he's doing there, he's trying to see if they're coachable. Like, can they learn? Because he needs to know, hey, when there's three seconds left, he's like, I need you to pass to you and you to score. They're going to do it. And so there's a lot of great minds out there. There's a lot of great people out there, a lot of great mentors out there. Um, but it's kind of useless if you're not going to listen to them. Yep. I know. Can I tell you one last story on that? I know. Tell me. Yeah, I, this I know, is no, no, real great. quick, real quick. Yeah. So last month I lectured at a, at a university to 350 students. I told all students, these are real estate students, yeah. I told them all to connect to a group of people who were business leaders in real estate. The next month goes by, I was back lecturing, and I bumped into a guy who was on that list. And I, I asked him, I said, so how many jobs do you have available? He said, 30. I said, how many students of that 350 connected you on LinkedIn? Can I guess? Yeah, okay. Five. You're close. It's three. So less than 1%, less than 1%. And so I give a lot of advice to students and, but most of the time it's just not taken. It's just not taken. And so the thing about it is, is that you got to write it down and do it. Yeah. I I, want to add to that because I see that a lot. Um, I specifically, when I go and speak to students, purposely give them a call of action, whether it's connect to somebody on LinkedIn, whether it's when I have a panel, I ask them, Hey, remember to write a a follow up thank you card. And I think students sometimes forget that I follow up with the, with a panelist like you would follow up with, with your, your, the person you knew. And I said, how many thank you cards would you receive? And it's, it's insane to me because the people that end up following up are the ones that have the job offers, are the ones right. that ha- are, are really set up. And, and you talked about that person had 30 jobs available. Three people reached out. If those three people were looking for a job at that time, they have a, yeah. they're going to get the jobs. <laughs> they're going to get the jobs, right, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and the last one you had is its connection, like is networking. Um, yeah. So it's just having a great compa- uh, passion for connecting and talking to people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we as humans are pack animals by our creator. We are made to be in relationship with other people. It's just really important. And then learning that skill set of how to, how to connect with people. I often find um, a lot of times when I see people in crisis, uh, they sort of wish they had done things differently. So a lot of times people find themselves laid off. They weren't playing it off. And all of a sudden they're scrambling to like make connections. That's why when things are good, you need to keep reaching out and building those relationships so that you have resources when times are tougher. So some advice for college students on building a good network 
and connections when they're still in school? Well, uh, this is going to sound you know, maybe crazy, but start with your fellow students. Um, I, I wish I had still had a data. I wish I had a list of all the students I was in college with now, because uh, I'm sure a lot of them have great things. I just lost yeah. track of them. So start with your fellow students. Start with your fellow students who have the same passions as you do. You, you know who the stars are around. You know people who are looking, really looking to crank things up, make an impact, connect to them. Here's another one. Connect to your professors. I am still in close contact with the majority of my real estate professors mm-hmm. at FSU, and I get advice from them. They're a great resource. So start there. And then, you know, start building who you want to be connected to. You know, you just never know. But yeah. I, would, I would connect to people that graduate from your college, have the same interest, and just keep building it over time. John, is there, if they were going to focus on one of those career builders, is there one in particular that you would have them focus more? Or is this something that you should be focusing on all five of? I, I would focus on all five. What I, what I would tell you, though, the thing about it is, is that um, there's different ones for different seasons. Uh, but if I sort of narrow down to two, the hard bit would be is the relationship component and then um, uh, the you know, connection component to it. You know, the, the coachable component to it is what I meant to say, yeah. is that you need to, the ability to, to always have the desire to learn, no matter how old you get, mm-hmm. and then always really value relationships. What's funny to me is that um, I, I have friends who've gone through hard seasons and, like, I've had friends in their 80s that passed away, and I've, I've sat with people with hospice on their deathbed, right? And I've asked them, like, do you need anything? Do you want anything for me? And, of course, a couple things happen is, one, the, the best ones are still learning. They're still open to learning. Like, they're trying to, they, they want to understand what's happening around them, and they accept it. They're humble. And then, number two, what they want is time. They just want some time. Yeah. They want to not be forgotten. I don't have people I meet with of those things that want my watch or want money or some weird thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want the relationship, and then they, they, they have a spirit of, of wanting to learn. John, is there any, either or list, whether it's career killers or career builders, was there ever some that didn't make the list that, but, you know, that should be mentioned? <laughs> well, it's funny you should say that because, like, it's a whole different topic, but um, it's financial literacy. Um, I, w- I would tell everybody listening to this is take a Dave Ramsey course. Um, that's just such a big deal. I mean, when you look at our country, you know, like 40% of the population can't put $400 together, whatever it is, or people that have great hearts, they want to be very charitable, but they're upside down financially. Or, you know, I've just seen a ton of that. I've seen a lot of people in really trapped financial situations from a, just a really series of um, steps. So that one jumps out. The other one that jumps out to me, and I, and I talk about it actually in the lecture, is, is maturity and really diving what that means. And a lot of times what maturity to me talks about is like having self-control, Right, having discipline, learning from mistakes, taking personal responsibility. Um, one of the about that is like, you know, like, hey, maybe maybe wait to have kids, right? Like, plan mm-hmm. this out. You know, sometimes I see people have kids, and like, as you poke in, it's like there's no plan. Like, they they don't have a plan of how they're going to feed the kid. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, or how they're going to pay for different bills or things like that. So that's a little bit more on the personal side than the financial literacy side. But like, man, like having some level of really maturity of like. Hey, wait, pause. Like, what? Where are we taking this whole thing? I think it's pretty important. Yeah, I, actually, even yesterday alone, I did two podcast recordings, and one of them was on student loans, mm-hmm. and the second one was on how to save money uh, while you're in college, whether it's taking CLEP exams or taking a couple of general education courses on on community colleges. Um, but definitely see that, especially you know how easy it is to get student loans, um, and it can get you in a different situation, but. Um, you also talked about personal branding in your book. Oh, in yeah. Your last chapter. Big deal. That's a big deal. I mean, I would tell every student that's listening to this to, like, mark their calendar and maybe start with one hour a week. And I would tell you, eventually, it needs to be one hour a day. But you mark on your calendar like it's a meeting, and you sit down, and you focus on your branding. And so it's like, you know, 
if your name's Mike, like Mike's Branding Hour, and if you think about yourself as a, your own company, what are you doing to grow that company? What are you doing to grow that brand? When people think of that brand, what do they think? And do they think lazy, uh, doesn't show up, doesn't keep their word, being a procrastinator, uh, emotional decision maker? Or do they think on time, professional? If I was in a crisis, I'd call them. If I was in a hospital, I need to call somebody, I'd call them. If I got arrested, who would I call? Like, what is your brand? I mean, then think about brands. If I say Mercedes, or if I say Rolex, or if I say Nike, you know, what are the, when I say different brands, what words do you think? And yeah. then if I say, you know, somebody's name, what do you think? What do people think of you? And, like, then you sort of connect those together. It's like, what's the brand you want people to think, right? Right, absolutely. You know, if I say Publix yeah. or if I say Sears, like, there's different things people come to mind. So you say people's names, what comes out? And you can control and impact what people think of your brand, and that does have impact. If you, if you want to be a great person that impacts marginalized people, well, you need to have a strong brand. People need to know they can count on you. If you want to raise money, make money, give it away, if you want to power, influence, be a leader, your brand matters. And every segment, your brand matters. And spending some thought to developing that brand is pretty important. It'll change how you do things in your life, how you want people to perceive you. Absolutely. So how do you – I mean, I know social media is going to play a big role for that for students – what are some advice that you have for students on social media to start building their brand so that when employers or if they're looking to do different things in their career afterwards, um, they can do? I would be intentional is a big word, intentional. So first off, let's talk about LinkedIn. Um, I don't, I can't take on any more connections. I have 30,000. I yeah. can't anymore. But anybody who's listening can follow me. But you can look at my bio and, you know, really draw your bio. We have a lot of detailed information on there. And, like, who are you following and why? Who are you connected to to Why? Uh, what are you posting and why? What are you sharing and why? What's the response you want from people? So that's pretty important. So I start there. And then when I move over to like, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, again, like, what do you want? What's the image you want to create? People make me crazy on Facebook because they're, they're so negative and they're so mean, right? And I try to be positive. I try to be open. I try to be uplifting. I'm trying to, I'll talk a lot of, if you follow me on social media, I talk a lot of different charities I work with, mm-hmm. but I try to be a solution focused person. You know, it's funny because politically, one political party uses the word resist a lot. Resist. And I wish what they would say is solutions. Can you imagine saying that? Like, we're the party of solutions. Here's all our solutions. Like, name a problem. Here's the solutions we have. Like, I could, get, I could vote for that party, you yeah. know? I don't want to hear how the other party's bad. I don't want to hear about the other party. So a lot of the news, the political either side is just so negative, right? So to me, it's like, be about solutions. I always want to think, like, why... Why does someone want to call me? Why does someone want to call John Crossman? Why do I want them to call me? Because they're like, man, I don't know what to do. I think John has the answer. Let's call him. That's the call I want. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. You know? And I want people to know they can count on me. And I think it's good for students to think the same way and then build their brand around that. And I'll tell you the thing is, think through who you really care about what they think of you and why that is. You know, I have taken a ton of calculated risk in my life. And um, sometimes people have questioned why I did it. But I come back to what was my motivation and the people I respect the most thinking about what they're thinking of it. Sometimes people that you don't respect are influencing what you do. Can you right. imagine that? Yep. People you don't respect, but because they're going to make fun of it, you don't do it. Yeah. That's not healthy, man. Like if you think it's right and people respect things right, go for it. And if people make fun of you that, so what? Do what's right. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, so what's next? Do you have plans to write another book? No. That was <laughs> <laughs> oh, it? Uh, you know, I, I, listen, I, I, I look, I'm, I'm dyslexic among other things, yeah. so writing is hard for me. 
Um, I did this book because I felt like uh, it was a tool and a resource. Yeah. I'm so glad it's helped you and I hope to help other people. Um, I'm, not a, I'm not a writer, of, uh, an author by trade. Uh, I would do another book if I felt like I had something in me that would be helpful. Yeah. Um, so again, my place of, of purpose with all this is to be a resource to people. And whenever I can do that, I'm delighted to do so. John, is there a question that you wish I would have asked you that I haven't had a chance to do so yet? Um, I was going to say, how can I help? That, would have been <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that um, comes off radar. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I, I think you got it. I think you've done a, done a great job. And I would just, uh, you know, I would say this, that um, um, this is what I tell students yeah. in colleges I lecture. This is the last thing I always say is that um, when you get done with your college career and you're graduating, sit down and send an email to the president of the university and say, dear president so-and-so, thank you so much for allowing me to have my education here. It's been an excellent experience. The following people impacted me and list out every single professor or faculty member that was helpful to you. Maybe write a word or two why they were. It's going to be short. And at the end, say, upon now that I'm graduating, I've joined the Alumni Association because everyone should join the Alumni Association of their schools. And then say, you know, please let me know how I can help the university. And then copy all those professors on that email. Okay? You do that. And 20 years from now, one of those professors dies and they go and clean up the professor's office. I promise you that email will be saved. They will have it. Yeah. I promise you the day they get the email, those professors will cry. That is life-changing to them. It's so healthy for you to do it because it helps you develop a, like a, an attitude of gratitude, which is really important, and being thankful, um, and it'll change them. One of the reasons why I'm telling you this is I say it all the time. No one ever does it. I so would, do that. Yeah. Wow, that's some amazing advice you know i really wish i can go back six years and, and do that and maybe I, I should still do it it's not too late yeah it's not too late it's not too late i will do that i will do that and, and i'll definitely do that because i would tell you um there's been a lot of people that has influenced me in my life that yeah. i wouldn't be able to be where i am now without it um john last question for you we've talked already for 30 minutes we talked about your book but if there's only one thing that a student would take away from this podcast what would you wish that would be I would wish that they would have the strength uh, to ask for help when they need it. Uh, my heart goes out to students that suffer in silence, uh, students that are suffering with depression or maybe something more serious, and to know that they're not alone, uh, that God meant for us all to be in relationship with one another. You know, if we're thirsty, we need to drink. If we're hungry, we need to eat. If we're lonely, we need to call someone. And so I would say uh, there are people and resources around you that care about you. You just need to, to reach out. So. Uh, feel your feelings speak your truth if you're suffering and you're in silence uh, step into the light and uh, there's victory that can happen there john this has been an amazing podcast thank you so much um, i really appreciate it and for everybody else see you guys on the next podcast if you've listened thus far to this episode of the podcast you absolutely rock but now i need your help please make sure you subscribe and leave me a review Thank you so much and talk to you soon.